It's 10 a.m., which means it's time for Utah Car Sense with Jeff Miller and Austin Horton. Presented by Mark Miller Subaru on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yep. Yep. I can't hear myself. Welcome on. Welcome to the show. Utah Car Sense. Presented by Mark Miller Subaru on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. You sure I'm on? Because I'm not hearing anything on my end, but I'll carry on if you say I'm on. Austin Horton here. There we go. Jeff Miller is here with us as well, although he's calling me. So I think we may have a bit of an issue on our hands here, Eric. So let's uh, let's try and get that figured out as soon as we possibly can. Wants you to love buying your car. That's why we oh, now I'm hearing commercials Promise and the phone ringing. Exceptional customer service, a fast, easy, and transparent process, and upfront price for every car. Okay, there we go. Saturday morning, getting things worked together. Our guy Eric has been uh, off on a beach, sunning himself for a couple months. Not really. I just haven't seen our guy Eric uh, Jensen in, in quite a while, and. Grateful to have him back. Grateful to be back together with you this morning and see if we can't get connected with Jeff because we've got a lot to talk about. There we go. I hear Jeff. Jeff, do you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, there we go. We did it. Good job, everybody. We had a Zoom issue. We made it. It turns out that uh, I need to learn to unmute the Zoom. Uh, the Zoom was muted. That would be uh, basic the issue there. Stuff. That's basic. <laughs> Come on, Eric. That's like Tony Jones stuff and Dirk Facer stuff. We've been in this pandemic for seven months now. We we know how to unmute Zoom, don't we? <laughs> Jeff, have you heard the montage I've put together of all the media people that forget to unmute their mics? Did you see, um, <laughs> was it yesterday during the Senate hearing? No, I didn't see that. Well, there was a Senate hearing yesterday in the post office, and one of the senators, they're like, oh, and now it's time for Senator blah, blah. <laughs> and he comes on and he's just like, F word, F word, F word. Oh, like no. Three, like three times in a row to one of his staff members. Oh, no. Oh, and my the chair word. The committee's like, oh, I don't think he's on yet. <laughs> they went Larry Kraskoviak on that. Ooh, uh, I don't know yeah, who that it is. It was really funny, though. Uh, no, I was, uh, I've been in, immersed in Utah jazz playoff basketball, man. It it's has nice, been so it? fun. It's nice having playoff basketball again. It's not as nice, obviously, if, to state the uh, the obvious, the, if it were here in the building, but it it or is still or fun. Or if you're a Nuggets fan. Or if you're a Nuggets fan, uh, which makes it even that much more better for people like me. I was just talking with a buddy, uh, texting with a buddy the other day, about wh- who the, the hated rivals are for the Utah Jazz and if I turn on my fan, put on my fan hat, I'll, and I'm honest, I think my number one di- most disliked team are, is the Los Angeles Lakers. Totally most true. most would go then with the Rockets, I think, but I go with the Nuggets at number two, and I, you I know don't the great know thing why. About the Nuggets are the greatest thing about the Nuggets are is just how personal Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert take it. Yeah, that's right. They absolutely take it, pre- and they should take they it personally. Because they both gave them, they gave away both of them for essentially nothing. They they gave away Rudy Gobert for Eric Green, and, and a, cash a million dollars, a million bucks. Uh, Donovan Mitchell they gave away for Trey Lyles, and I believe cash. Or was there a pick involved? It was it, uh, a guy who's not in the league anymore, Landon. Landon, the guy out of Syracuse. Oh, Tyler Lydon. Retired, what's his name? Something like that. Ah, well, that fella. And, and and later, by the way, the Jazz then had Eric Green on the roster a few years down the road for <laughs> for a, a, a minute. So yeah, the Nuggets. But hey, they got Nikola Jokic, they got Jamal Murray. They're paying Paul Millsap about thirty million dollars too many uh, when you compare to what he's doing on the court right now. And that first game, they shot over fifty four, nearly fifty four percent from three. That's not going to sustain, and the Jazz barely lost in Game One, and now we've seen the results in the yeah, game. We'll see two what and three. happens tomorrow in Game Three, but it seems like the Jazz coaching staff really's got their number. Ron Boone on the call in Game Two. There was a moment where Donovan uh, flipped the ball over to Royce, and Royce hit a three from the corner, 
and Ron Boone called out on the air, the Jazz have the Nuggets figured out. And he was absolutely right. And oh, since totally that does. moment, it's been true as well. And it's fun. Because oh, the Nuggets, they keep trying different things, and whatever they try and do, the Jazz just counter and counter perfectly. So for my Jazz fan uh, personality to see Mike Malone with his head in his hands and Jamal Murray being a jerk in post-game interviews to the media because they're all grumpy and mad and don't know what to do and the body language of the Nuggets that absolutely in the second quarter yesterday they had quit, that makes me happy. It just it does my Jazz fan heart some good. So it's, it's, just, it's been fun. Just need a Laker loss today and it'll be good. And then everything else is on the way. We love it. Uh, yeah, but well, except then game two of the Lakers Blazers went a completely different way than game one. That totally. was, it's, a, it's really funny. I've got a really good, I have a good bet going on right now. So my, all my college roommates, so my senior year college roommates, all four of us have a different NBA team in the Western conference. Okay. So there's one Laker fan, one Clipper fan, one Golden State fan, and then me. Oh my gosh. So there's one sane so we, person in the four of you. Yeah. Exactly. So, but back in <laughs> January, December, I think it was even December or November, early season, we, we made a bet on which of the four teams would make it farthest in the playoffs. And so we're so Golden State's obviously out. <laughs> so that hurt for him when Steph went down. <laughs> oh, poor baby. But, I th- I told him like over the last two games, I think my percent odds of winning this bet have gone from about. I don't know, one percent to about I give it to like ten percent now. Nine percent? I don't hate that. I don't hate that at all. Yeah. The Lakers don't look super impressive. Jazz are gonna get the Clippers in the second round if they if they get there. That they match up pretty well with, so should be pretty fun. It absolutely should be. And it has been so far, uh just from watching the NBA playoffs. I don't understand their thinking as to why they're in the middle of the day and the morning and and all kinds of weird t- – I don't get that. I really don't get it at all. But they've decided to do that for whatever reason. Uh, my my flat-out guess is that the second round, you're going to see a lot more prime time uh, across the board. So if the Jazz oh, totally. can reach the second round, I think there, there will be a lot better opportunity to view those games for Jazz. And the local fans. goes away for the second round, right? Typically, that is the case. Uh, and I think that that will be the case this time around as well. Uh, if 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 I were honest, I think that this would be the year that they should let local TV stay on, but maybe local TV people uh, think that that's a bad idea as well. It's not been a lot of fun for the broadcasters, I'll tell you that. For and it's not, I'm not just talking about the jazz guys and, and gals. I'm talking oh. the NBA uh, the, uh, the around. They've all said how difficult it has been to call play-by-play thousands of miles away in a different place, in a different time zone, on a, relying on a camera angle. And, and then you throw in, and it's great that they have the social justice statements on their jerseys, but at the first you, you threw that in to the mix and no one knew who was doing what. Because yeah, they nice didn't have the names, the names back on. So then they put the names on the bottom, and <laughs> Locke was funny. Yesterday he pointed out that Paul Millsap's Jersey might win the social justice naming trophy because Paul Millsap's jersey says vote for Millsap because he's it says vote and then he's number four and then Millsap. So vote for oh, that's Millsap. Funny. That's good. <laughs> hey, it's Utah Car Sense, even though we're talking a little NBA ball here. It's been a long time since Jeff and I have been able to talk, so I wanted to make sure we got Jeff's thoughts on the Jazz, and we'll continue those throughout the show uh, today. You can call us at 855 855- 340-ZONE, 855-340-ZONE is our phone number, and we've got a lot to catch up on and talk about. And, Jeff, let's – are you okay if we start with numbers? Because it's been a long time since we heard you talk to us about numbers. Yeah, give a chance to pull them up. Yeah, for sure. I know we, we usually do it the first show of the month, and we did, but I like to get your thoughts on the numbers as well. I think we had Roger on – and we talked about the numbers, but I think it's important for us to give you an opportunity to talk about the the turn, uh, the te- the tell of the tape, as it were. It's been a down year industry wide, and that's obvious for obvious reasons with the pandemic 
rolling through, but I was interested to hear your yeah, thoughts hard, on I mean, who's doing well and who's the, not. On the number stuff now is really we can only have a conversation every quarter now is most of the brands these days aren't reported anymore. More and more brands every year so stop reporting monthly sales. So really you only get the Asian brands okay. at this point. So it gives you a little bit of a view of it, but you're not going to see anything for any of the domestic brands until I guess it would be end of September. Okay. But if you look at July as a whole, I mean, Hyundai Genesis was pretty much flat. Kia down 2%, Mazda up 3%. Subaru was down 20, but it's just because they had no cars. And there's no supply. So if you don't have the cars to sell, you can't sell them. Yeah. Same with Toyota, down 22%, but it's because there's no supply. Uh, Volvo was up 10%, which is one of, probably the only ones that was up that reported. So, I mean, yeah, overall, it's, I think the demand's there. I think that we're, you got to wait for inventory to catch up is where we're at. Definitely. And that that's why we've also seen the demand and supply match better on the used car side of things. But even then, there's some that but are running out of used cars, too. That's what happens next is that when there's the new car side runs out of cars. Then the people go to used cars, and then the used car runs out of cars. And most of the used car market is built up by trade-ins of people buying new cars mm-hmm. yeah right so i mean when we we're right now our two stores are running about a 20 and a 25 day supply of new cars our toyota stores just barely over 30 and, and what... we normally run about a 60 day supply so okay, we're so... real we're tight we're probably 150 200 cars short of what we'd like to have on the ground so you've got about a third of what you usually do yeah it's probably safe yeah uh we normally have 250 300 cars on the ground each of our stores has 100 well, I, I we just went through the incredible process of turning in our Crosstrek and ending that lease and starting a new lease with the with a Forester, and even even then we had to wait a, a week or so for the the Forester to come in, and that was it was no big deal. We still had our Crosstrek Crosstrek to drive around, but even then it was it was it was, and we're a couple months ahead of where we would uh, be ending the lease and. It's just the the story right now is that there. I think you're right. The demand is there, which is really really good news. It's just when you shut down factories because of a, a pandemic, then you have to play catch up on the supply. Oh man, we're having a really good month. This this market as a whole, and I talked to the owner of Nate Wade Subaru yesterday, and this market as a whole is doing well. I mean, it's there's good. demand there. People are ready to buy cars, and it's a lot of that pent up demand from people who didn't buy cars the last three four months. But it's the market's it's ripe and ready to go if we can just get some more cars. Hey, so we we were talking about used cars and how that usually is fed by trade-ins as people get new cars. And since that may not be happening as much, we also have seen some rental car companies go under, and we'll see a bunch of fleets entering the the used car market. What is your advice? Is it any different than a usual? purchase of a used car advice that you have for those that might be looking at buying a used car that was part of a rental fleet? No, I mean, most of the cars, if you're going to get a car that's within two, three three or four model years old, so like that three-year-old car or that two-year-old car, generally it's either going to be a rental car or a lease return, right? So just know what you're buying and know that one nice thing on the leased cars is that they're they're generally well-maintained. Yes. Right? If you get if you get a car off the rental fleet, you can pretty much assure the fact it got all its oil changes, it got all its proper service, because a rental car company is always going to do that. Protect themselves on the repairs, yeah. Yep. Yeah. The argument on the other side of the rental car is people aren't the nicest to their rental vehicles. No. Can you imagine that people don't take care of rental vehicles? Remember the Seinfeld scene where he says, I'm going to beat the hell out of this thing. <laughs> oh, you better give me all the insurance you get. I'm gonna... Yeah, that's uh, the problem. Yeah. So get a mechanic you really trust and know and love and take it to them and make sure they give it the, the look over. But then also there's there's no absolute guarantees in this world, is there, that you know there's not going to be a problem a few days after driving that thing away. It's, there's a risk involved in every purchase. Yep, exactly. Well, we've been really happy uh, with with our uh, lease. Obviously, I talk about it probably ad nauseum on the show, but I don't know a better time and place to talk about it. 
and we we just turned in our cross trek we got it in 2017 it was the 18 model and while we're talking about supply and demand i saw an article on car and driver how if you're looking for a 21 model there's the not not only are you not you're hard pressed to find a 21 model but like we were talking a moment ago the 20 models because the demand is so high and the and the supply is not where it needs to be yet you're, you're kind of hard to find a 20 model but you guys yeah, have you guys have access don't you we have access to it and we're able to trade and we're able to find it but i i would just say if you're looking for something specific in any brand not just subaru you just make sure you gotta be a little more patient if you're more open and you're take different colors take different trims things mm -hmm. like that then i wouldn't worry about it too much but if it's something you're looking for really specific they might, it might take a little more searching on find of your retailer or dealer to find it. Yeah, and I think that's the good, a good word for everything for this year is somehow find a little more patience within each of us <laughs> as we hold on through everything that's going on. Uh, the, those factory workers that put together our, our lives, be it from our food supply to our car supply to our medical supplies, they, when the when a factory gets shut down, then you just kind of have to be patient as those white collar workers get back and and get things flowing again. Uh, I think I don't know. I'm a complete amateur. I'm I'm kind of guessing, but I think probably by the end of first quarter next year, I think we might be back to where we should be. Fingers crossed. What is that? Is that a crazy thing to say, Jeff? Yeah, I don't think that's crazy. Okay. I mean, a lot of it, really, a lot of it depends on what happens with this pandemic over the next few months. True. Yeah. Right. Depends on whether, I mean, the problem is, is the flu season's coming. So once it starts getting cold again and flu season, regular flu season comes, we don't know what that's going to do to the pandemic. I mean, our, our goal is to keep our employees and our customers as safe as we possibly can. I mean, one thing I've been really proud about is I don't think in six weeks I've walked in our dealership and seen someone not wearing a mask walking around. Yeah. Customer or employee. I was there several times over the last month, and there was not a single instance uh, that, that I could remember or recall anyone not masked up. Customers have been great about it. When we have customers that we see in a waiting room without it, one of our associates will walk over and offer them a mask for free. And and if they're if they're not willing to wear a mask or they have a medical issue or things like that, we we, we ask them to sit outside. And never, everyone's been great about it. No one's had any. There's been no incidents, no complaints. Good. And it's just about protecting each other. And I think because of it, it's really interesting because because of it, we've been able to really not have many incidents. I think we've had a total of maybe four or five employees test positive. And okay. because of what we're doing and how we have it set up and the mask and everything like that, when one does test positive, we're able to isolate the group of employees around them. I was just going to ask, how many employees do you have in total? 254. So 254 employees, and throughout this whole thing, you've had a handful of positive cases. That's We've had, I would say, probably five positive cases, and we've probably sent out 40 for tests. Wow. Uh, that's that's a victory right there. 50 for tests. And we had one that was at a desk that shared a desk with 10 other people. And none but of they, the other nine? But they, were very, but they were very good about masking, and they're very good about cleaning cleaning their station a few times a day good and they're, they're just they're, they're protected or they protect themselves inside it because of it of those people that were in contact with the person who tested positive all 12 of them or 10 of them tested negative That's and we put them on a two we put them on a two-week quarantine anyway and they yeah. came back and everything's fine that and that's the that is the key right there if there's any silver lining at all which i i don't it's hard for me to even use those words but to when there's a pandemic involved but i think there will be a, a more uh, appropriate response and approach the world over i'm not talking about your business i think you've always handled it well but the world over i think there will be a better a more appropriate response to when an employee says i'm not feeling well i need to stay home for a few days yeah, I feel no, like in the ahead. past it was, yeah, I feel like in the past there was a, a behind the scenes talk about, oh, they're, they're so soft. When I have a cold, I go to work and I suck it up and I, I, and I just get the job done. But I don't think that that's the right approach. I don't think it ever has been. And I think hopefully going forward that we'll all understand, okay, yeah, it's better for somebody to miss two, three, five days with a cold than come in and spread it around the whole office. 
I think you're gonna learn that more in schools too. Oh yeah, that. Well, and that's I mean, there's a trickle down pretty, there. If a well, if my a kid, my kid's fine. It's just a sniffle. Right. Well, and you don't want to have to take work off to then stay home with your sick kid. And that's there's a trickle effect where if your child has to miss school, you likely have to miss work and work. And then now you're sending a sick kid to school to get other kids sick. Yes. And so I think that there hopefully there will be a better understanding and acceptance of it's okay for people to miss a couple days of work so that things stay going. And, and keep on the right track and no one else catches it and and, and that sort of thing now you said i assume everyone that did test positive the four or five that you've had they've recovered completely yeah they all recovered none good. of them were none of them were serious enough, serious enough to be hospitalized good just sick sick in a home got through it and moved on and that's you know you mentioned they share desks and the the pens you guys have cups that say these pens have been used these pens have been sanitized at each and every desk and you have hand sanitizer and you mentioned the masks we deal with it here at the radio station where on any given day the minimum is that three radio producers share a mic share a board share a computer keyboard a mouse actually two computer keyboards and, and two mouses mouses mice is it, is it mice when we're talking about computers? It's okay. It's still mice. Uh, it's still mice. There's, it, no, there's no mouses. The zoology still applies, right? Uh, the plural yeah, is still no mice. Yeah. Uh, and we share all this stuff, but and that's just the minimum on a day is three. Sometimes there's four and five, but we've been really, I've been really impressed and really grateful that Jake Hatch, Lloyd Cole, myself, Alex Lundberg, Eric Jensen, Brian Brown, Jeremy Potter, the jazz assist, broadcast assistants, we've all been really diligent about A, wearing our masks, B, spraying down and wiping off everything. Uh, for a long time, uh, I was wearing uh, uh, latex gloves uh, while I was typing and using the mouse and, and uh, just to kind of be peace of mind. And no one ever gave me any guff about that. It's just kind of like, okay, we got to do what we got to do to make sure we get through this. Uh, all and, this thing together. We all want sports. We all want regular life. Like that's what we got to do. And so Not that's that big of a deal. It's yeah, exactly. We can all we. It's a big. It's a big deal, but we can keep it from being a nightmare. I think, with the right approaches. All right. Uh, well, it is Utah Car Sense. That segment flew right on by. Welcome back, Jeff. You remember <laughs> it goes this fast, do you? Eight five five three four zero zone. If you want to be part of the show now, one. Uh, casualty of the Jazz and NBA playoffs being in the middle of the day is we don't have any Jazz playoff overtime call-in shows for our Jazz fans. And so I thought, since you're a Jazz fan, I'm a Jazz fan, Mark Miller Subaru is a big-time sponsor of Jazz radio and TV broadcasts. You're I official thought, Subaru retailer of the Utah Jazz, actually. And that the, it shouldn't be any other way, in my opinion. And I so... Agree. I thought we could, if, you, if you'd like to be on the show and talk some jazz or NBA playoffs, we'd open that up as well today, 855-340-ZONE. But you can call in, ask any kind of question, make any kind of comment, share any kind of story you have with us, 855-340-ZONE. Coming up next, I want to talk to you about uh, a, a revolutionary idea in the world of electric vehicles and the problem that comes with range. There might be an idea coming out of China that could possibly work. I'm going to run that by Jeff and tell it. Wheezy, baby. Have a car question? Ask the experts at 855-340-ZONE. You're listening to Utah Car Sense with Jeff Miller and Austin Horton. Presented by Mark Miller Subaru on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Eric Jensen dropping the beats for us this morning on Utah Car Sense. Uh, I am officially old. Who is that? That is uh, Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne. All right. Not Lil Wayne. Lil, Lil, right? Lil Not Wayne. Little. Lil, Lil, Wayne. Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne. Was it Lil Wayne though during the Laker game in the background? Probably. I think I saw that. Yeah, in Did the virtual fans. Yeah. 
the virtual fans he was smoking i think i think i did see yes i think that was him there's a background scene i'll start shooting a free throw you can see little wayne smoking uh speaking of which that is lil wayne's classic fireman so. Oh, that song there? Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it that was, was pretty funny during the Laker game. It was Lil Wayne taking a smoke break right there behind the bench. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. He <laughs> just See, pops those, a big old... The benefits, the benefits of being a virtual fan. You couldn't do that in Staples Center. No, who's going to tell you you can't do that? They, there's, they can't possibly say that's against the rules because you're in your own home unless he's totally. in a public place breaking the, the rules and law there. But if he's in his own home watching on a laptop, what can you... What can you stop him from doing that? I don't. I don't know. So, I wouldn't do it, but I don't smoke. And I, so, if he wants to do that, who's going to stop him? He's in his own house, whatever. And uh, it was funny. So I like it. It gives us it really a nice. moment of brevity in a game that I absolutely hated to see you know the what Lakers a dominate like that. For the Jazz was. I'm sorry. Say again. A missed opportunity for the Jazz. What's that? Is during Wednesday's game. They should have had Conley as a virtual fan. <laughs> <laughs> that was a missed opportunity by Jazz PR. That was a miss because Jaron Jackson Jr. was a virtual fan for totally. the Grizzlies. He should have been front and center midcourt. should have had Conley there cheering the team on. What else is he doing? He's sitting in the hotel room. <laughs> That's a good point. Maybe they tried. Maybe he uh, was FaceTiming with his wife. I don't know. And by the way, <laughs> Can we nominate uh, Mary Conley for uh, Woman of the Year and Mother of the Year and Wife of the Year? I mean, she right. had her husband. So let's let's just lay this out real quick. She's really, really, really very pregnant. Mike Conley leaves to go to the bubble with the Utah Jazz to play yes. eight games. He does not play all those all that many minutes in those eight games when you look at the whole grand scheme of the thing because. The Jazz were really just waiting to be healthy and ready to go for postseason play. Then she goes into labor about a week ahead of when, according to her post, when she thought she would. He then leaves the bubble, does not get there in time for the birth of the child, is there just for about, oh, what, 16, 17 hours, if we do the math, and then leaves to go back to the bubble again. And she's completely, by all accounts, fine with it and supportive of it. That is... That is unbelievable. And then Mike Conley returns and has 27 points on seven of eight three-point shooting. She's woman, wife, and mother of the year. No question. I know. I told my my wife that, like, so Conley had to come to the bubble, and he had to go sit in the hotel room for four days doing nothing. She's like, that sounds so nice. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. It does, doesn't it? It sounds wonderful. Sitting in a hotel room, hanging out, watching TV, getting room service. And it's not like he's in a moat, you know, well, we better not invoke a name, but he's not in a, a lower-tiered motel room. He's there at the Disney Resort hotels. Well, why, right? why are we... Uh... I mean, it would get a little stir-crazy. I love the video of Mitchell, though, of him outside of his room. <laughs> that was pretty good. Why are we sparing the feelings of motels? Are, are we sponsored by a motel? I don't know what Tom Bodell is spending on this station currently, Eric. Mm. I, yeah, I just Austin has to be careful. I'm going to leave all the lights on for all the... Uh, advertising opportunities at this moment. All right, yeah. that's fair. But it's not the Grand Floridian that Tom Bodell is hawking. Uh, the, like, we Probably can not. all agree on that. So, uh, <laughs> But, yeah, that would be fun to have Mike. That would have been a fun opportunity to have Mike there as a virtual fan. Jeff, let me run this idea by you because uh, I, like a lot of people, my, I like the idea of electric vehicles. I think they're really innovative. I think they're cool. I just have a problem with the range. And you have proven to me that hybrid is probably the best way to go, as you've been driving a hybrid Crosstrek for a long time. And you just shared with us a few weeks ago was the first time you had to fill up on gas, right? Yeah, I'm working on my second tank right now. And that's over, that's what, since February? I got 2,200 miles on it. How long you've been driving that thing? I don't know, three months. Oh, is that it? I thought it was longer than that. But well, still, I got that's a second. I got a new, I got a 2020. Oh, I see. Because someone wanted to buy my old one, so I sold my old one and bought a new one. And, and that's kind of where I stand is right now the hybrid gives you the electric side of things, but also the range of a combustion that you might yeah, need. Yeah, and, and they'll get it better and better. There's a, the new RAV4 plug-in. It's coming out. The, you're not going to be able to get in Utah for a couple of years, but it's out in California now. I mean, it's a 300-horsepower six-cylinder engine. Wow. An EV? That has a... 
on it's a plug-in it's a prime so it's a plug-in hybrid yeah and it gets it's supposed, supposedly gets 44 miles on the electric oh wow all right before so it, that's yeah. gonna be a pretty cool car the, the problem is obviously it goes the same way as super they're not making money building it yeah because yep. batteries are still so expensive so they're not making any Yep. It's a showpiece until they can make it profitable. And I think that you're I think you're right. It's getting better and I think it will be more mainstream in the years to come as those prices to build and sell come down and it makes it more business makes more business sense to do so. But in the meantime as we look at just the EV range problems themselves, there's a company in China, the uh, everyone knows Chinese automaker Neo. They've introduced China, uh, China. It's it's a it's the greatest most grand idea, uh, the batter a uh, battery swapping plan. So essentially, what they're setting up in China uh, is they're having these almost like gas stations, where you pull in and you spend five minutes at the pump, you fill your car back up with gas, and you head out. But it's a fifteen to twenty minute battery swapping station, to where you pull in. That's yeah, what wasn't yeah. that what that's what Tesla was trying to do. Oh, I didn't know that. Is Tesla trying to do yeah, the same Tes- thing? Tesla had that set up and then they dropped it because it didn't work. So what happened is that you could literally the entire like you would go over like a quick loop station in your Tesla. Someone that a person would come in below, unscrew the battery, bring it down, bring another battery in, put it back up. Yep, that's the idea here. Uh and, and I don't and, know where the I don't know what happened. Let me see if I can Google and figure it out, but Tesla did have that program. I remember when Elon Musk pushed that out there. Well, it says to make the plan a reality in the U.S., it would require building out an infrastructure of expensive battery swapping stations. Uh, I assume that means they've already got these set up in China. Uh, I I don't know. It doesn't say in this article. But it does say that uh, it's a a monthly subscription uh, for $12 a month. And it will save buyers about $10,000 off the initial price of the vehicle. Will it work, though, is the question. You're yes. saying that Tesla was given it yeah, a go and abandoned it. There's an article here in 2016 that they shut down the battery swap program. So they have the program, and then instead of doing that, they elected to do supercharging stations instead. So it said, So that's here in the U.S. In China, it says it's working. It says the battery swapping technology has been available since 2014. And as of June this year, the company had completed 500,000 battery swaps. Wow. Uh, and it does say here, Tesla has taken the lead on this in the U.S., but not everyone who owns an electric vehicle owns a Tesla. And as a battery capacities grow, the need for high-speed chargers has to be met before an entirely new system is then put into place. Yeah, that's the hard part. They got they've got to figure out how to make. And really, it's about how to get high speed charging, where you can charge fully charge a car in under five minutes. Yeah, that that I think that this will happen before that happens, don't you? Yeah, probably. Yeah, uh, I mean, and I think it's a very simplified way I'm looking at it, but I think about our vacuum at home, and we got this this uh, wireless cordless. Uh, battery-powered shark vacuum, but the battery only lasts about 40 minutes, and that goes pretty quick, actually, when you're cleaning a house. And so we bought a second battery, and it's just a simple matter of when that battery dies, you swap it out for the next battery, and you're back to vacuuming. And that's kind of the idea behind this is when your battery drains out of your EV, you pull into the battery swap station, they take the old one out, put a new one in, and you're off as they charge the other one up for the next customer. Totally. I think it's a good idea. Uh, I hope it starts to work here. Apparently, it's been working in China. Now, I don't know, I, and I, I hate to put you on the spot if you don't know either, but where does NEO rank as far as Chinese automakers, how many people own a NEO electric vehicle there in China? Are we talking a small sample size here, or is this the leading electric vehicle there in that country? I don't know the answer to that. I've never heard of Neo, so that, oh, doesn't okay. bode, that doesn't bode well. Okay, so it's probably uh, a small, uh, too small of a sample size to say, "Hey, it's working in China. Why can't we make it work here?" Yeah, yeah, uh, that's the hard part. I don't know. Well, uh, while we're talking about electric vehicles and Tesla, as we mentioned Tesla, have you seen what they're trying to get permission to start using in their cars to uh, make sure that kids and pets are not left in hot cars? Yeah, that's a cool idea. 
they've, like they've asked the, uh, I guess this would be the federal government, for permission to install in trial runs the technology that is used at the airport that sees through cloth, uh, you know, the, the when you're there at the airport getting checked and getting checked in. They're asking to put that technology in a Tesla to then... It will use the millimeter wave radar to let you know there's someone in the car. You need to go back and get them. And so if you leave your car and it's a certain, okay. if it reaches a certain temperature, it reaches out to you and says, there is still a living being in the car that needs to be rescued. So like, okay, here's my question. So like, that's thousands of dollars of technology, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So couldn't you just do the same thing with a $5 motion sensor that you use on your alarm system? Well, what if the person's sleeping? Oh, I mean, that's uh, a kid in her car seat might be napping, or or, right. or 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 you know, and I don't know. Eventually, you'd think they'd get so hot that they'd start to squirm and and move around, but I don't know. That's it's not a it's not a terrible idea, but if they don't move, then it doesn't work. But I, I there's got to be, and we've come a long way, right, Jeff? In 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 technology. Where you, I know our our cross trek says check your back seat, check your rear seat every time we turn the car off. It it beeps that message out to us, which is great. Uh, we've come a long way. There are also other technologies that will tell you, like weight censored things. There's something or someone in the back seat, or check the trunk or whatever. But it's not quite exactly perfect. As 52 children died just last year by being left in, in hot vehicles, that's 52 too many. And I wonder if there needs to be more uniformity from a federal level that requires manufacturers to do exactly the same thing. But that's kind of a dream right now because there's no real exact plan that I can even speak out for them to put in that will absolutely work every time. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's a... So it says Tesla is petitioning the FCC to operate its sensors at higher power levels than are currently allowed. Is there it, health issues to it? I, I Well, then that's you always hear about people complaining when they go to the airport that those things, the millimeter wave radar, let's see, is millimeter wave radar safe? Let's see what that what that tells us. Uh, PubMed.ncbi says, currently technology is being developed that makes use of the millimeter wave range of the radio frequency region of the electromagnetic spectrum. As more and more systems come online and are used in everyday applications, the possibility of inadvertent exposure of personnel to MMWs increases. But to date, there has been no published discussion regarding the health effects of MMWs. This was this was February of 2020 that they said this. I don't know. I'm sure if we did a little more research, we could probably find someone out there that says it's safe, or someone out there that says this is not safe, and here's why. Uh, and that's the that's a that's a good question to ask and be aware of, right? Because I don't fly very frequently, and so when I go through those millimeter wave things, it's not a big deal to me because it's once every two, three, four years that I go through those things. Uh, on, but if you're getting in and out of your car several times a day, and those millimeter waves are not safe for you, then yeah, that's gonna be that is gonna be a problem. I just don't know the answer to that. But I do know there's got to be a different, better way to make sure that we don't have 52 kids dying in hot cars. Is that the total? Last year, last year, 52 children were uh, in the in the United States died in hot cars. And we're starting to see more even just simpler technologies. Like the pretty much every Subaru model this year will have, uh, I think, every Subaru model in 2021 will have the new rear seat occupancy warning. Which it, it actually is terrific. I I, I think I it mentioned so that. Open, yeah. What it does is if you come to your car and you open a back seat and close the back door, and then you get in the driver's door and start the car, when you stop the car, it will say, "Look in your back seat." Yeah, and it dings. At least ours dings. It dings and says, yeah. look in your backseat first, not for passenger. Yep, and it, it and reminds just us. Just a simple reminder is going to save lives. Right, and it, it's just a matter of that half a second 
turning around to check and getting in the habit of doing that. And if it takes a, a dinging message to get us to do that, it works with the seatbelt, right? You have to put your seatbelt in to stop the ding. If we can get in that me muscle memory habit of checking our back seats, I think that we can uh, can do better at what we're doing. Yep. Uh, let me run this by you. KSL had a post. Uh, five things to consider if you're looking for a new car for the new school year. Okay, let's run these by you, Jeff Miller. Their first topic is carpooling kids. Despite social distancing guidelines, carpools are still going to happen, and kids will be piling in your car at some point. Whether it's a few neighborhood kids or just your own, you need to be able to get to school safely and, re and reliably with space to spare. So they, need, they say you need to take into account not just your family when you're looking into these cars, but if you're driving carpool every other week or whatever, you need to make sure you have enough space in the car. Uh, that I think that in theory is a good thing to say, but unless you're renting a 15-passenger van or buying a 15-passenger van, <laughs> I don't know that this is that much of a reality, right? No, I mean, that's a tough reality. I, know. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, like most of these articles, it's, not really real-world oriented. Not well-researched. <laughs> well, and, and really nothing in our day-to-day -day lives is pandemic-oriented. So <laughs> no. you just kind of have to go along There's actually it. a really good article in, I think it was Business Insider or Forbes or something like that, that talked about buying a car during the COVID pandemic. And it's similar to what stuff we talked about this earlier in the show about you're going to have to be willing to act a little faster. If it's a car you, you want, you might not be able to hold off and think about it for a few days mm. because that car could go away. And you won't be able to get the same car. Uh, and, and they say in this article right now is, is a really good time to hop on board with a new car because a lot of people, a lot of companies are offering 0% financing or near 0% financing. And for how long that'll be around, you're not, you know, it's anyone's guess, really. It depends on how or the pandemic a lot of them are going away. I mean, a lot of that 0% and all of those, the nice thing is the interest rate, rate ones are staying pretty strong. It's the incentive money that's kind of going away as manufacturers have less and less cars on the ground. They don't need to incentivize selling them as much. Hmm. But the, the nice thing about the interest rate thing is that interest rates in general are just plain low. Across the board, whatever loan you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. all loan interest rates are low. So it's not that. Because what happens is on a, the way, for those who don't know, the way a 0% loan works in the factory is basically a factory's got a bank. So say they've got Chase and Chase is going to give someone a 2.5% loan. And then Subaru comes in and says, I want to give someone a 0% loan. Yeah. So the interest difference between 2.5% and 0%, Subaru as a manufacturer pays to the bank. Mm, right, 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 right. They cover that difference. And so that's where someone's getting interest. Yeah, so they yeah. can either give you three grand off the car or they can give you 0% interest. And I'll take the 0% interest 10 times out of nine <laughs> rather than <laughs> the incentive that takes the value of my car off, you know. Totally. So, uh, and yeah, you know, you mentioned interest rates being down across the board. When we got our new home interest rate at three point four seven nine or something, I was throwing a party. And now I'm driving oh, home awesome. and I see a billboard that says two point four, and I'm like, "Da! Why? Why? I, I needed time, to, uh, time to time refinance." To refinance awesome. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> right. Uh, all right, their next uh, bullet point to have is if it's a commuter car for work or school. They say that a new study published in the Journal of International Education Research says the average commute for a college student right now is over 26 miles one way. So we're wow. talking 40, 52 miles every day on average that you're driving. So you need to make sure if you're a college student in college, as we know, is not cheap to begin with. You got books, you got food, you got uh, tuition, you got all kinds of lab fees and all sorts of things. Uh, and so you need to make sure you get a reliable commuter car that won't break the bank. Now, my when I hear that, Jeff, I'm afraid that people uh, have have a tendency to go a little cheaper on the overall price of the car, thinking that they're doing right. But then they end up, especially in the used uh, realm, they end up driving a used car so many miles a day, 
that is ripe for a new repair that's about to come their way, and they don't plan <coughs> on that in their budget. My my suggestion is, uh, and you guys brought this up to me a long time ago, uh, if you've got a, a college student, maybe they don't have the best of credit, but you sign on with them, get their credit kind of going with a really nice, safe car like a, like a Subaru, and, and know that there's going to be a protection there from a crash, yes, but also the maintenance side of things. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, that's what we've, we've pushed a lot for college kids and things like that is to do a lease on an entry-level vehicle. It's a Subaru or anything. If you can do a lease on a car, it's less expensive. You can build credit for your college student. It's the same payment. I mean, you can buy, I mean, essentially you're going to lease a car for, I don't know, $250, $300 a month. So for leasing something like that, is the same payment as you buying a car for twelve or thirteen grand, hmm. right? And then, right? So if you're going to buy a twelve grand car for your kid to go to college, you're better off leasing a car. And then when they when they're a sophomore or a junior rather in college, that lease is up, and then they get the next one. And, and as they graduate college, there they go with the with a new, another brand new car and that credit built up. And maybe they don't want to lease at that point, but they've spent the three years uh, having a good, reliable maintenance uh convenient car while going to exactly. college yeah uh and, and then again when you're talking about commuting and leases you do need to make sure you do the math right and that's what i really have really appreciated the two times i've now leased with mark miller subaru jeff is we've sat down with salesmen and product specialists and they've literally got on google maps or whatever uh, and, and typed in okay where do you go? How far do you drive uh, on an average basis in a year? And then they build it in and they say, okay, well, we would suggest you do this amount of miles and then let us make the decision rather than I feel like there might be still in the industry uh, overall a feeling of just pushing someone into a lease just to get them into a lease and then it's a bad situation for them. But not so with you guys. You really are focused on making sure it's a good experience, not just from the day that the car is purchase but through the end absolutely and like and that's the biggest focus on the cool you just fully protect yourself when you get into that lease right is that you're going to have warranty you're going to have your maintenance covered like there's just very little cost to that vehicle other than your payment no yeah. yep i mean you can do i mean a, a basic impreza hatchback you can lease with fifteen thousand miles a year she so talked about that extra driving that those college students are doing for 280 bucks a month out the door Wow. Yep. Thousand dollars down. I mean, it's a cost-effective way of buying a vehicle. It's amazing. All right, two final uh, bullet points here, and this one I don't know. I you and I I'm I need your help on this. It says four-wheel drive or all-wheel drive for Utah winters. I don't think you can go wrong with either. But what's the pros and cons of four-wheel versus all-wheel, Jeff? What what one would you? Why would you suggest which one? So let's explain the difference first. So the difference between a four-wheel drive car and an all-wheel drive car is a all-wheel drive car is all the time. You don't have a choice. It's in all-wheel drive. You can't turn it off all-wheel drive. All four wheels are going to get power at all times. A four-wheel drive car means you can switch. You push a button, pull a lever, do whatever, and go in four-wheel <laughs> drive. What would be more fun, a button or a lever? I think, so, I, I, think I prefer a lever. I like the old levers when you yes. pulled it down. Like, oh, I'm going to downshift four-wheel drive. I was down in Zion doing on a Jeep tour, and the guy's like, I got to get in a four-wheel drive. And he pulls it down. Like, Just oh, sounded cool. like Tim the Toolman Taylor. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's like, ah, oh, I got to put it in power. The problem is, is that you don't always know when you need four-wheel drive. Mm, right. Right? So I mean, you hit a wet spot on the freeway. You shouldn't be. They, especially in the Subaru world, they've been able to make the all-wheel drive cars so efficient that you're still getting the gas mileage. You're not losing out on gas mileage to be in all-wheel drive mode. Now, right? So the reason you're in two-wheel drive is you, you save the gas. Exactly. There, there's a difference right. there at the pump. So you're able yeah. to figure that out, then it's not as big of a deal. So got, yeah, the third one is that the built-from-the-ground-up all-wheel drive is the other level of that. And what is right? what do you mean by that? So like a vehicle that's all-wheel drive but comes in a non-all-wheel drive package as well, use a RAV4, for example. Okay. You can buy a two-wheel drive RAV4 or an all-wheel drive RAV4. I see. So a two-wheel drive is going to be front-wheel drive, and it's that way all the time. An all-wheel drive RAV4 will have a button you can switch into four-wheel drive. 
than all wheel drive. I see. The difference is it's an add on system, right? Yes. So you lose efficiencies in, uh, in bolting on an add on system to a two wheel drive car. Whereas, I guess that's one of the things that Subaru's pitched forever is this idea of symmetrical all wheel drive built from the ground up that way. So the all wheel drive is integrated into the drivetrain. Mm. It's not a bolt on after the fact, right? So the idea is you don't lose, you don't have any of those right angles to go to the tri- the differential and the back oh, end where you're yeah. losing power and losing efficiency. Uh-huh. That's why they're able to get a lot better gas miles in the Subaru all-wheel drives than anybody else. Now, now, fact or myth, I have an all-wheel drive vehicle. I don't need snow tires. I don't. I, I mean, a good all-season tire for 80% of the population is great. If you're going to be going heavily up to the canyons or driving off non-paved roads that are snowy, then I would get snow tires. If you lived in upper <laughs> Summit County, yeah. But if you're just yeah. driving around Salt Lake or driving up and down I-15 every day, I don't, I, let's put it this way. I've driven Subarus my whole life. I've never put snow tires on a car that I own. Right. And, and in my, you know, some pretty short experience, uh, a, I could not believe all my all the time I ever I always heard people say, "Oh, all wheel drive is such a big difference in the snow from two wheel drive," and I'm going, or front wheel drive or whatever, and I, and I would kind of roll my eyes and go, "Yeah, I've been fine. I I I I grew up in Utah. I know the snow. I know the winters. I know how to drive on wet roads." And then I drove a Subaru in the winter and said, uh, "What have I been missing?" <laughs> this is it was as as my as my car was skidding all over the place and my wife was going the speed limit still in a blizzard and just fine. It was like wow, this is incredible. Uh, and I we've never felt like oh we need to get some snow tires on this thing. It's been incredible. It's it's so. That said though, like you mentioned, if your job is to go groom the ski lifts, you probably should actually first look into a snowcat to get up and down. Uh, yeah, but if you're going to go on non-plowed roads and unpaved roads and things like that, then yeah, you should get some snow tires. But if you're driving freeways and paved roads all the time, generally you'll get away with not. A lot of people just put snow tires on for peace of mind. Right, just to make sure that extra safety net is there, I suppose. Yeah. I, mean, uh, I think if you're living in like the canyons, if you're living in Park City or Snowbird or Alpha, you go up those canyons every day, then yeah, probably makes sense. And then, yeah, the the, the final bullet point here, I think, is one that makes a lot of sense and might be a little obvious, but we'll say it anyway. It says when you're buying a car, make sure you check off as many of the different needs that you have for that vehicle. Uh, Like, I I am a big-time fan of the Corvette Stingray. I love the Stingray, but I should probably have that be – coming from my discretionary spending account rather than my monthly car payment budget because of the climate and needs that I live in and have here in this should not be your day-to-day driver no I don't think that that should be me the father of a two-year-old uh driving from Layton to Salt Lake and back every day I don't think that that should be what I'm spending my entire budget on no Probably yeah. All right. There you go. Things to consider when looking for a new car for this new school year. Jeff, coming up in hour two, I've got a story that you are, it's both sad and funny, and you're not going to believe it. It's, it's, if you've ever thought about faking your death, have we got a story for you? All the time, man. <laughs> Jensen, all the time. All the time. He's got the mafia after him. We'll get that, those details next here on Utah Car Sense.